Hey everybody, this is Patrick Ramirez. There's a lot of things you can listen to on the internet these days, but the one thing you should listen to is the All Ute Radio. I listen to it every day. Comes out once a week, every day. You are listening to KU Radio's only podcast, All Ute Radio. It's with tremendous pleasure I bring in All Ute Radio's new co-host. Rebecca. You can tune in to All You Radio Tuesdays from 5 to 8 p.m. at 801 585 3449. You're listening to All You Radio. Hello, listeners. Welcome to All Ute Radio with Sasha and Rebecca. We are broadcasting from the Valley of Smoke. Hello. (laughs) Valley of Smoke. Oh, yeah. That's the cool thing we decided last week. Yes. I guarantee you that's going to be in our next promo for the station. (laughs) (laughs) All Ute Radio from the Valley of Smoke. From the Purple Mountains in the Valley of Smoke. This is All Ute Radio. Thank you for listening. Let's just cut that from the show. That's why I just did it. (laughs) (laughs) That's the promo. (laughs) Boom. So, a lot of new things going on at the University of Utah. Yes, such we have, as. We have a Lunchbox series tomorrow. So, everyone go to that. I think it's in the Union. I don't know what floor. But and have we announced who's coming? I have no idea. Hmm. So, we'll come back Let's to you with I news on that. that. I probably should have looked, and I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know our good friend, Zach, right? Zachary Arthur. Zachary Arthur wanted me to collab on a song with him. Yes. Well, I guess maybe I found out why he hasn't had time to collaborate with the brilliance of you, Rebecca. Mm -hmm. They dropped a new song. Oh, no. Yes. You didn't tell me. It is the woman's anthem for their basketball team. I love when we surprise each other. Would you like to hear this? Yep, it's on. Can I commentate this? Please. Be gentle. Wait, this is a women's basketball like intro theme or yeah. something? He's making it big. Turn that up. What's up? They got a video too. It's called Game Time. This song is called Game Time? Yeah. It's Game Time. See? No. It's beautiful. 
Hit a homer on Zachary Arthur in New School. I appreciate it. New, new dollar sign Chul. Yeah, follow them on Twitter. They're great. New underscore dollar sign Chul, Chul. on Twitter? Yes. <laughs> new Chul. New Chul. You guys, that, I can't tell you how exciting that is. Yeah. No one knows, unless you've listened to the show since it was fill in the blank. That you can't understand. Yes, we're big fans. Oh, the biggest. Yeah, he's cut promos for us. They I got. Have a I video? got a video. Yeah, he filmed it too. You got because oh. I know how he films because he's yeah. great with a camera. Like he he's, re- he's a talent. He's, he's gonna really blow good. up one day. Yeah. Like if I don't see him as an anchor on ESPN, <laughs> like, I, maybe I'll see him on the Grammys or Doesn't something. Doesn't he write for? Um, he writes for Bleacher, Bleacher Report. Report. Yeah, he's the. Yeah. Lead writer for the Philadelphia 76ers. Yeah, I've talked to him about it before. <laughs> it's amazing. I know. And he's Zach a good writer. Arthur. He's a good writer. He like is. he's, I think he used to write for the Chronicle for a little while. He's done mm-hmm. all of Kim Mangan's classes. Zachary Arthur. Overall, that's the best good song guy. though. It yes. has their names in it. <laughs> yeah. I feel like the video is gonna look like that High School Musical basketball song scene oh yeah so like when the <laughs> names are coming up like one of the girls would be like shooting a jumper or like going up for a high layup or and then they got like the fan pops and the fan pops. it's just amazing it's well done it's so, good. so go to youtube type in new tool new dollar sign tool yeah but it's like kesha the way they use the dollar sign yeah it's real it's like catchy and edgy yeah and it's called game time so support it <laughs> we have to go to break here in a little minute but a I, little I, baby minute. <laughs> I want to give you a big tease. A what? A tease. So, and this is oh, oh, okay. legislative Already. stuff. So you know who my favorite representative, right? Patterson. Yep. He's at it again. You <laughs> <laughs> can't make this crap up, man. He's on the floor wearing a bulletproof vest. Shut Would you like to hear? Yeah. All right. Did I ever say no? Have I ever even said no to that? And when we get back from break, OU Radio with KU Internet Radio is going to talk about the legislative session and the discrimination that is going on up on our hill that we pay for. So It's going to get real intense. Enjoy this one. It's a beauty. Representative Peterson for the third house. What? We're done. We're done? done? Give me me two minutes. (laughs) Two minutes. I gotta get ready. (laughs) It's always worth it, so we'll wait. So he's putting on a bulletproof vest right now. I'm ready. Okay, uh, thank you, Madam Speaker. This evening, we will be, uh, tonight we have a special, a special invitation from Weber County. We have a dine and shoot. Um, I don't own a gun. So I own a bulletproof vest. Uh, that's, my, that's my strategy. Uh, anyway, uh, legislators and families are invited. Uh, the, uh, I am told that uh, those that are under the age of 18 will not be able to, uh, to use a firearm this evening. But everyone's invited. There will be food. Bring your own gun. Uh, if you don't own one, like myself, uh, you can hold up the targets for everyone else um, <laughs> who, who brought theirs. So, yeah, <laughs> he's at it again. <laughs> Last year, he was singing the guitar on the house he, floor. He didn't just sing a song, you guys. We've played this before, but he sang the the schedule for the meeting. It was like times and titles of what was happening, <laughs> yeah. like introducing speakers with like the weirdest guitar vocals thing I've ever yeah. heard. Like at the... 
Clark this, Planetarium. Like, <laughs> we might go to the sanitarium. <laughs> we might go to the sanitarium. Like up on the hill. Like in. Oh. But this is accepted on the House floor. Like it's not like they're on a break. It's not this like. This is like the serious business. Yes. They're, but we're paying these people. <laughs> and he's. I have the video. Like, if I send it to you, will you put it up on our blog? Uh-huh. Okay. It'll be up, guys. And on the Facebook. Yes, it is. Facebook.com slash all you radio. Yes, and I'm not mocking this guy. Like, we really need to address this because there were some real shenanigans that went up on the Hill last week. We had the head of the Senate making fun of transgender people. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we had our good professor at the University of Utah, Dr. Mike Kennedy, a representative, trying to get rid of transgender bathrooms, which is like the biggest slap in the face to the University of Utah itself, since the students have voted for it. They want it. Yeah. (laughs) It's just, I'm infatuated (laughs) up there. And here's the greatest thing. So Senate Bill 100, right, that's the Mm -hmm. title, is for anti-discrimination. It's gone back the last six years and failed. And... I can't find the audio anywhere. House Bill 87, which is getting rid of transgender bathrooms. I can't find the audio or video anywhere. I spent about three hours last night, and I spent an easy two and a half hours tonight looking. I I watched every tape, like, looking for Kennedy, and I couldn't find it. That makes me unhappy. Very. You guys should see his face right now. This is why I really wanted a press pass, because when... The mischievousness gets away from a live event. It can go away very quickly. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, it was written all over the Deseret News and KUER did a piece on it. And a lot of places have news outlet-wise. But they had their journalists there. So once their their copies are done, it's gone. We're going to get press passes. How many days do we have left? I don't know if we're going to get press passes. Really? Have yeah. you tried it all? Well, I don't think, I, see, the, pro- the problem with dealing with these types of establishments is they have order. Mm-hmm. So the, the press people have to do it before it opens. Because if you get a dummy like me walking in 18 days later saying, I want a press pass, mm-hmm. they're too busy. They might have already got rid of all their files and forms and stuff. Rough. Yes. It's I will try to get in hold of the Student Media Council and go from there. But... When we get back from this wonderful break that we're about to take, um, maybe we should talk about Utah lawmakers joking about trans people. Yeah, that'll be good. Yeah. We'll, we'll be right back with some uh, controversial talk. Yes. You are listening to KU Internet Radio, radio for students, by students at the University of Utah. Be sure to follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Radio or on Twitter at K underscore U-T-E for anything and everything going on at the U. Chris Hollifield from the I Am Salt Lake podcast, and you're listening to KU Radio.
Welcome back to All Ute Radio. Hello. Hello. Yes, hello. We haven't already mentioned yet, but if you aren't following us on Twitter, you should. We're at K underscore U-T-E. Also on Facebook at facebook.com slash Radio. And also facebook.com slash Radio if you want to follow just the show and be able to see the videos and pictures and on-demand that we post on the blog. How's that going? Facebook? Yeah, the Old Ute Radio Facebook. Oh, it's going. <laughs> it's going. Has all the codes and bylaw stuff that, that Mr. McKean has been hiding from us. Has that been resolved yet? No. He's still on the page. He's still on the page. Well, he still has admin access. Right. But I also do. I'm not sure if I have as much access. So here's... But I'm an, a page admin. I like that. So here's what Dakota and I were talking about. He's going to take over it. Dakota? Yeah, and he's going to post new videos every day. And the <laughs> goal is because OU Radio, the name will probably change when we leave KU Internet Radio. But we're going to blow this podcast up. Like, mm-hmm. this is going to become something. I promise. Otherwise, it's going to fail, and I'll be doing it the next 40 years to two <laughs> listeners. Me. Yes. And the other guy in his dirty underwear in the basement of his mom's house. Uh, yeah, the basement. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so I need to make sure that all of that stuff comes over so that we can, because we're going to put new videos on That'd every single day. for the followers. Yes. To have something new every day, even though we only broadcast once a week. Yes. But I want it, well, for now. For now. But I want it to become a place where people actually think about before they go to Bloomberg or, mm-hmm. like, I want it to become a new site. Like, mm-hmm. obviously it won't be on Facebook, but eventually we can move it over to a web page. You watched the Super Bowl this weekend, I'm sure. You didn't watch it. I didn't care. At all. I, I, I applaud you. I didn't even see one commercial. There were some very weird ones. I was actually going to play a couple, but they don't translate well oh, really? for audio. I lied. I saw one Yeah. on a Facebook post. It was funny, though. Did you see the Axe one about war? No. I didn't see any except for this Doritos one where this kid has a cardboard time machine box. Yes. <laughs> and the guy goes in it and he has to feed his Doritos, like give him yeah. the Doritos. And then he's like in there having like the time of his life. He's on drugs, I think. <laughs> and then the dad comes out or the grandpa and yells at him and the kid runs in and the da- and the the dude comes out of the time machine and looks at him and goes, Jimmy, <laughs> you're so old. <laughs> so good. I yeah. laughed so hard. But no, I literally didn't see any of it. It really was a commercial bowl because the Broncos were so, so bad, bad and there were turnovers everywhere in quick yeah. scores. They were going to commercials all the time. And the camera work was atrocious. Really? I heard upwards of $5,500 for the game that cameramen were making. And they have roughly 15 to 20 cameramen for NFL events. Yeah. So one of the main shots you'll see is from the high south end zone, which is like if they're giving you a wide shot of both defensive lines in Uh the back of the quarterback, right? Or a tight face on the middle linebacker. Mm -hmm. The dummy camera was shaking the whole time. Like just little, like like almost like you had Tourette's or something. What? Or not Tourette's, but. (laughs) (laughs) But it was just like, I was just so mad. I was like, why? Why? (laughs) You should have been the cameraman. I should have. At least I got trained up properly by the Pac-12 network, so. And then I didn't watch any of it. There was the greatest thing I ever saw. Like, I'm not a 9-11 conspiracy guy. Like, I, I study and uh, observe alternative historians' perspectives, but not a big believer. But there was an independent reporter from New York that got 
that snuck into the Super Bowl facility and walked all the way into the post-press conference, and he said this. No, I always imagine myself making great plays, but you never think about being MVP. Investigate 9-11. Uh, 9-11 was perpetrated by people within our own government. <laughs> great. That's so... Yeah. He just snuck in. Yeah. He didn't have a Super Bowl ticket. He didn't have press pass credentials. He just walked in. Yeah, and his story was, yeah, I just walked really fast, and anytime I saw a security guy, I just said, oh, I'm late for work. I got to go. And he had, like, on this old presser from, like, a concert he covered, like, a while ago. <laughs> That's the best. I wish I could be that sneaky. That is a gutsy, gutsy thing. He went to jail for the night for trespass. I don't know if he went to jail, but I know he got charged for trespassing. Uh, that's wow. a that's kind of a scary thing. That's intense. <laughs> yes. He just snuck in. I can't even get into like a Utah football game when I have a press pass without getting like patted down and interrogated. <laughs> the Super Bowl. Let's sneak in. <laughs> Gives us hope. Yes. <laughs> I you found out who's coming tomorrow for the lunchbox. Ooh. Would you guys like to know? Yes. All right. The Facebook update says, be sure to swing by the union tomorrow and listen to some great live music from Roger Quinones. <laughs> I don't know how to say that. Quinones. <laughs> Austin Haywood and Westward the Tide will also be giving out all caps free pizza. Ooh, that draws a, him in. Yes. It's right downstairs by the Union Food Court, right in front of Jamba Juice and the little convenience outtakes. Yeah, our fearless leader, William Hatton, usually buys about 30 pizzas oh, yeah. and tries to feed all of you. So if you're hungry, if you're poor, go get some pizza. I don't recognize any of the artists except for Westward the Tide. Are they good? Um, well, they must be. They must be because we did a listening party for these and listened to all these local... EPs for mm -hmm. all these little bands and then we picked which ones we wanted to come and all the selections were good ones that I liked I just don't remember which one they were how much music do you guys get a week or a month that you have to listen to because there's a big banner on our website that says send in your music yeah oh, yeah <laughs> uh, I mean even like if I click right now on the messages mm -hmm. for KU there are every day there's probably let's see this week just today, we had three local artists send in some um, websites or links to music, SoundClouds and things like that. One yesterday, four the week before, sometimes more. Sometimes they send them. When I used to run the fill-in-the-blank page, mm -hmm. um, they would send them to me, but then I would send them up to KU, to like whoever was listening to them then. So I'd say probably. So start sending them to Old Ute Radio also. Yeah. Because if they're good, I'll throw them right on our show. We won't even ask. Yeah, just say. Because we'll think they're good. Just don't say the F word too many times in it. Yeah, don't be rude. Yeah, send your music to facebook.com slash Radio, or you can email it, can't they? Yeah, Radio at gmail.com. I actually had an email the other day. I'll have to pull it up at the next break. Was it nice? Pretty much. Because <laughs> I always, I have been getting the meanest comments on my YouTube. Have you? Oh my gosh, should I read some? Yeah. I'm going to. People are mean. So it's about this. But they're passive-aggressive mean. Okay, continue. No, you're good. So it's with this song, right? What song? Whoa, 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 whoa. Turning this down. We ain't playing that. Why? Turn it up. No. 
Stop. I'm just for reference. It's the mashup cover Macklemore and Ryan Lewis. Thrift shopped, white walls, can't hold us. This is how bands break up, Sasha. All right, you can turn it off. But it's so good. No. <laughs> that's um, all that's on my computer at my house. Let me find. <laughs> that's all you have on your computer. <laughs> Do you watch that and then like scenes from Psycho? No. Because that would not be weird at all. No. Right? The, no. What really it's not happens your thing? is weird. <laughs> I dance. I did. In my onesie. I'm like, I'm scared to open this up here in case it plays again. Oh, no, it's on okay. On the radio. We okay, we're good. It. Let's see. One of them. They're like passive aggressive mean. And the best part is most of them act like I wanted their comments, but yes. I didn't. <laughs> it's like, you just wanted honest opinion. And I was like, I never said that. <laughs> <laughs> Joe Green says... Not bad, but I'm not going to lie and tell you it's awesome because it's not. It's decent. I know you want people's honest opinions, so there's mine. It can only get better. <laughs> Excuse me. It's so bad that it can only get better. But you get some good ones, like people saying that you're the most yeah, beautiful nice woman people. in the world. No, and you've got that the doesn't actually uh, Yes, it does. You but can... they're nice. I just only remember when they're mean. <laughs> <laughs> How many views are you up to now? 11,000. Look at you. And what? two of my other videos... Hit 1,000. One of them. Let's play that one. No. <laughs> one of them is at 1,600, and the other one just hit 1,000. And you're going to make a mashup of the Convoy song, right? Uh-huh. That we put for Dakota's intro. Guys, it's so good. We yes. won't play it now because we're going to play <laughs> it really later. We won't do. <laughs> we're going to, and we you've got to wait for it. Yes. We're going to play it again, though, right? Every week. Yes, for forever. Okay, I was like, "What do you mean we did that last week? We're never doing it yeah, again." Yeah, and he goes by the name Rubber Ducky now. So. <laughs> oh wait, I, I swear don't there was one more mean comment. I just oh this one, Dina Almasri. Yes. She doesn't pronounce all the words, and it all just sucks. I mean, the idea to mash up is cool, but her singing is just no. <laughs> <laughs> Do you write back to these people? No. I pretend I don't notice them. Oh, see, I would <laughs> spend hours on there. Seriously, I don't ever, unless they're really nice or asking what the song is called or like, like, I only respond once in a while. Usually it's like, nice cover, and that's it. And I don't feel the need to be like, awesome, thanks. Macklemore has been getting a lot of ridicule by a lot of media outlets. Yes, and I think it's ridiculous. Is he a gay man? No. No. Because he, he got a lot of notoriety for that song. What's it called? Same Love. Same Love. I read a lot of blogs from like like really popular, famous bloggers, mm-hmm. and they were all pretty angry. And I guess I wonder what your opinion is. They were all pretty angry about Macklemore. And I understand the anger, just not where it's directed, I guess, mm-hmm. because they were basically bashing Macklemore for getting so much attention from the L, like for moving forward the LGBT. Right. I don't know, putting it out there, making it more acceptable, all that kind of stuff. But they were mad that he's a white male straight and he's like seen as the like right now the pop head of the LGBT movement, which is kind of weird, admittedly. See a lot of people But also they were mad that Mary Lambert, who he had sing on the track, Mm -hmm. didn't accept the award for same love and speak about it. But the reason I think all of it is weird, misguided anger is because Malcolm Moore and Ryan Lewis produced the song and only had her come on, like, as an invitation. It wasn't her song. She didn't write it. 
So it would be weird that she would be the one to accept it just because she is lesbian. But I think it's weird that they're all really mad at Macklemore, even though he's just doing his best as, like, a media head. Does that make sense? It does. A lot of people say that Macklemore is an apologist for the white race and that they despise him for that. Really? So everyone hates him. <laughs> I think so. But see, if, you, if I play this song... Same love? No, this is called The Town, oh. about one of his buddies that OD'd from uh, Cicero or whatever it is. And he, a lot of his, like, a lot of his old stuff is really good. But he got really poppy this year. Yeah. Like, stunningly poppy. And I don't like it. Yeah, I mean, his direction with his music, I wouldn't say. First memories of Seattle hip hop. I wouldn't say I'm a huge fan of it, but I like it. I mean. Do you think that he is trying to replicate Eminem? Because I wonder that about his name, like Macklemore, Eminem, like they kind of yeah. in that same sequence of letters. Yeah, I think for me at least, even like Eminem always kind of came out like he was like a white rapper, which was weird. But he also like took on more of a, I don't know how else to say it, like do we have to have a white rapper, like, in hip-hop? Like, no. Do we? I don't know. I'm asking. It's like, <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, sometimes it just happens. Eminem's not really around anymore, is he? Uh, he, like, kind of makes his appearances. I guess he just released something that was, like, unbelievable. Oh, I his new album? I didn't to it. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't enjoy it. Johnny uh, was trying to convince me. Yeah, really? I was like, no, Eminem is not yeah, good. Yeah, Macklemore, I mean, I like him just fine. I don't think he is, like... I can't. I wouldn't understand why people would think he's like apologizing for white people. He's just being a good guy, at least in his music. But what's weird to me is that so like I was searching on blogs for a while trying to figure out if this was just one blogger's like anger mm-hmm. or like a thing, and it's a thing, like a big thing. A good chunk of the LGBT like online community super hates Macklemore. Really, and is like. He's gonna, well, they basically are just, it's kind of like that argument where you're like, who are you mad at? Because you're not mad at the right person. He, they're just like, you know, if he really cared about the LGBT, whatever, everything he would have done, like he would find young LGBT rappers and give them deals and all this stuff. And I was like, but he hasn't hasn't been making money for that. Yeah, exactly. He's just a new artist who's getting, at least getting their message out, you know? Mm-hmm. And people are so mad that, like, the LGBT anthem right now is Same Love by a straight white guy. But he brought on an African-American lesbian woman to sing. I, I just think it's weird. I read so many angry blogs, and it just <laughs> seems like really they were like, I refuse that, to act appreciative. People tell us we should be thanking Macklemore. And I was like, well, you should at least, like, be nice to him. I think a lot of people in this country are getting really fed up with the gay movement. Like they've been at it for a long time. And I'm an advocate of human beings. I don't care what you do as long as you're not hurting other people. People should be able to express their love to whoever it is that they choose. Yeah. You know, you can go back to the 1960s civil rights movement. Most of the people back then didn't want black people to have rights. Yeah. And they didn't want women to have rights. And they didn't want to have Irish Americans to have rights. So It's a pretty good song. I've never heard it. It's actually really good. We should try to find it and get it loaded and maybe play it when we 
when we come back. Come back from promos in a couple of minutes when we go to promo. Yeah, we should start thinking about that. Yeah, Macklemore. I'm uh, not a huge fan of I don't of like his, his name. Yeah, I mean, I don't even well, love him. I've never been like, I only mashed up that song because I thought popular. it would be, inter- yeah, it was popular. And I was like, it would be fun to do a rap song and make it not rap so much. But. I mean, he's got unbelievable numbers. Yeah. Hundred. Uh, 25 million, 12 million. These probably are secondary YouTube pages, you know. Yeah. Hmm. I like him fine. Do you I think like he does that good. I don't think he has some, like, self-serving agenda with it. He always has, like, a pretty good message with his songs. So here's something that I hear criticism about him is that all the hooks he doesn't sing, which really make him popular or make – Rihanna popular it's like not so much her songs it's her hooks yeah or Mia or MIA whatever her name is some people say that oh it should be the Ryan Lewis song or the Mary Lambert song not the Macklemore song because people remember the hooks not the lyrics yeah your thought I think he said like in interviews he's like I just don't think I have a voice for hooks I just don't (laughs) have it I don't like it I don't do it I don't have it I'd rather bring on other tastes and do the hooks for me I mean, even like as a music major brain, hooks are obviously going to be what people remember. But that doesn't mean that's why they like the song. Because the hook is so catchy that you can't get it out of your head. But when people listen to the song, they sing the whole thing. It just isn't as catchy to sing like a verse of rap without music behind it. Do you know what I mean? I do. I think he does a lot. I think he puts a lot of, he adds a lot of, like his songs, he definitely plays a huge part in making them good. And adds a lot of feeling, a lot of story behind it. But the hooks are really good. And if you can't sing or you can't, like, you want to do music and get it out there, but you know you can't carry a hook very well, more power to you for finding someone else to bring on to your project, you know? So the picture on the start of his song, Same Love, it's got a shirt saying Legalize Gay Marriage. So he has become an activist. Oh, yeah. He definitely okay. is. So that's where the hate comes from, is that he's put his face and his music as the stamp, as the anthem for this movement. Fair enough. I like the song a lot. It kind of reminds me, it's like got like an atmosphere feel to it. <clears throat> atmosphere of the artist. It's got a little bit of a... Uh, when I was in the third grade, I thought that I was gay, because I could draw. My uncle was, and I kept my room straight. I told my mom, tears rushing down my face She's like, Ben, you've loved girls since before pre-K Sure Yeah, I guess she had a point didn't she? Where's the hook? It's, you'll hear it It's head. not too far I We can listen through it I mean, we can yeah, hear the whole thing Or just through the hook You'll hear it the idea of what it all meant But those that like the same sex Have the characteristics The right-wing conservatives Think it's a decision And you can be cured With some treatment and religion Like, he definitely Man-made comes out And makes a stand a But I don't think there's any God. reason Especially from, like Oh, nah, here we go. America um, the Braves. The LGBT is what we don't know. God upset. loves all his children. It's somehow forgotten, but we paraphrase a book written 3,500 years ago. I don't know. Okay, here's the book. I can't change. Even if I tried. Even if I wanted to. She wouldn't be on my song. She wouldn't be in my production studio. I would have got. Aretha Franklin. Yes. Okay, no, I can't do this. It's yuck. I get it though. I, it's like it's like moving, you know. Yeah. People love it, but a lot of people. I just think he's using his white privilege that he as a white straight man mm-hmm. 
He's using that for a good thing, and I don't see why that's any reason. There's a gay black rapper. Who? God, he's got the most horrible name in the world. Like, I... He goes by the name... Oh, boy. Oh boy! <laughs> and and it's like when I have to say "star effer." Yeah, when I'm trying to. Tell and he he sings to. about uh, finding white middle class businessmen and bringing them to the hood. And <sighs> <laughs> but you can find him on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> Follow him on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. So there there is precedent of having an African American rapper that's gay. So that is out there. That is out there. <laughs> With that, we must go to break. (laughs) We thank you, we appreciate you, and uh, we broadcast with humility. So thank you. We'll be right back after these promos. Thank you for listening to KU Internet Radio, broadcasting online 24 hours a day. We also stream in the dorms on Channel 99 and on smartphones with the TuneIn Radio app. Be sure to download our very own iPhone app to listen live, learn more about DJs, and so much more. If you want to find out more about our station, visit our website at www.kuradio.org. Welcome back from those promos. We are broadcasting live in the Valley of Smoke. This is OU Radio for KU Internet Radio <laughs> at <laughs> KU.org. Lots of KUs. At <laughs> for KU. OU. Ute. 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 Hello. Hello. So we promised you guys something and we haven't delivered yet. No. We, we, we have to tease. But before I f- bring this tease to fruition... I want to tease the last hour. When Dakota comes on, we are talking Charlie Sheen, Philip Seymour Hoffman, and the stresses and tribulations of becoming a mega star and how that that leads into how drug dependency can become part of life and be accepted. So that's where we're going the last hour. Lots of juicy Hollywood stuff. Yes. And I've pulled tons of Charlie Sheener one-liners. Yes. 
Would you like to hear one? Yeah. Because I got a bunch of them. I'm tired. I'm so tired of pretending like my life isn't perfect and bitching and just winning every second. And I'm not perfect and bitching and just delivering the goods at every freaking turn because look what I'm dealing with, man. I'm dealing with fools and trolls. <laughs> fools and trolls. Yeah. Tell me about it. That's like my whole life. <laughs> I feel like that's what having a Facebook is. Would you like to do one more? Just for the joy? Yes. All right. They lay down with their ugly wives in front of their ugly children and just look at their loser lives, and then they look at me and they say, I can't process it. Well, no, and you never will. Stop trying. Just sit back and enjoy the show. Yes, enjoy the show. The <laughs> show that is his life. The show That's how crazy he is. Yes. Yes. He's like on the Truman Show, but he forgot that he's a real human being. We had two more of those people at the Utah State Legislative Sessions. <laughs> one of them, who is the most, one of the most powerful men in this state, and I'll let the uh, journalist tell you all about him. This is from The Advocate. I figure why not go to the leading LGBT news authority. Uh, Matthew Brin is also a Ute alumnus. So good work, sir. Here's the header. Utah lawmakers joke about trans people. Apologize. Here's the secondary header. Two Utah lawmakers traded questionable transphobic tweets at the state finds itself buried in LGBT-related news by Parker Mary Molly, I guess. So here we go. On Monday, Utah State Representative Jacob Adinger tweeted a joke that pokes fun at transgender people and suggests that they change their gender identity on a whim. The joke, which some found to be in poor taste, prompted the, the lawmaker to apologize. The private men's bathroom in the House office building is occupied, tweeted Adinger, Monday, strongly considering a gender identifying change to use the open women's bathroom. <laughs> In response to Adinger's tweet, Senator Wayne Niederhauser, president of the Utah State Senate, wrote, first supporting SB 100, now switching your gender identity. Just can't keep up with you. You're a new man. Er, woman? Yes. These are Utah representatives. That is Wayne Niederhauser. From president Sandy? Yes, president of the Utah State Senate. That's power. <sighs> Armed bodyguards. I want bodyguards. Getting paid well, legislating with authority, owning a gavel. Owning a gavel. <laughs> I'm gonna buy you a gavel I for want your a birthday. Gavel. Please. And we'll bring it in and every time you're mad or feel like you need to interrupt or something's like happening, you'll gavel. We'll know. So Here's what's going on. Senate Bill 100. Uh, they don't call it this anymore, but it's formerly known as the Common Ground Initiative. This is what we talked about last week mm -hmm. and weeks going into it, where citizens in Salt Lake City can be fired or evicted from their houses because they are gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender, and or queer. So if you go to le.utah.gov and you type in SB100, you will find all the information on it. Uh, here's the just because they give long, like pages and pages of what the bill is about. This bill modifies the Utah Anti-Discrimination Act and the Fair Housing Act to address discrimination, including discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation and gender identity. This bill modifies definitions, provisions related to employment and housing discrimination, including defining gender identity and sexual orientation. Modifies power of division, includes sexual orientation and gender identity as prohibited basis for discrimination in employment. 
on and on and on and on and on and on, right? Okay, so if we go back to the lawmaker's joke, let me reread Wayne Niederheiser's president of Utah State Senate in his tweet. First supporting SB 100. You could take the idea that he's not one fan. A fan of gay rights and equality and due process. How is he a representative? How is he a senator in this state? Uh, now switching your gender identity. Just can't keep up with you. You're a new man or woman. Here's where that pun comes from. House Bill 87 by Dr. Mike Kennedy is uh, the person who uh, you know sponsored this mm-hmm. bill. And here's what it is. This bill defines gender for the Utah Code and amends and enacts provisions relating to gender. Okay. Prohibits a student from using a gender-segregated public school bathroom that does not correspond to the student's phenotype. Requires a school district or charter school board to provide reasonable bathroom accommodations upon request for certain students. Requires a local school board or charter school governing board to establish a certain policy and makes technical changes. So they want to get rid of the gender specific bathrooms. bathrooms. Hmm. I interviewed Dr. Mike Kennedy last year for a good amount of time on House Bill 13, which I believe was, so it passed where you can't smoke cigarettes in your car when you have children in, right? Yeah. He's a family practitioner. Mm -hmm. He's a board certified medical doctor. And he voted against that because he thought that it, the, he didn't want the long arm of the government going into people's par- privacy because he saw the automobile as, as part of their kingdom or their mm-hmm. house, right? How do you go from being okay with smoking in cars with a child to banning transgender bathroom issues? Like, who are, you're employed by the University of Utah. Yeah. We are a top 25 LGBT school. We're an inclusive campus. One of our prime things that uh, the LGBT Resource Center is working on is bringing uh, safety for transgender people on this campus, which includes them having the right to go to the bathroom. Dr. Kennedy. Dr. Kennedy. Representative Kennedy, be kind to us. Stop legislating for legislating. And it bothered me because I couldn't find his... uh, his speech online at utahle.utah.gov kind of bothered me. Kind of bothered. So now there's a big statement in the Tribune. I think this came out today, maybe last night. Notes for have you seen this? If you go to the Capitol building, there's a door that has I won't say thousands, but hundreds of post-it notes and pages, you know, written letters posted on a door in there. No. Yeah, advocating, you know, uh, allow discrimination to go away. So here's what it is. Notes for discrimination bill may be backfiring. SB 100, Senate President says posts on chamber door prove the workplace discrimination issue is too emotional to hear. By Lee Davidson, Salt Lake Tribune. The doorway to the... <laughs> the uh, Lee Davidson is a great writer. He's, yeah. he's, a, he's a true journalist. I like him. He, he's uh, taught me a lot. The doorway to the Utah State Chamber is now wallpapered with notes from across the state asking lawmakers to hear SB 100 to ban housing and employment discrimination against gays. But the hundreds of notes posted in response to a plea last week from Senator Steve 
heart. Republican St. George may be backfiring. <laughs> Here's the big tweeter himself. Senate President Wayne Niedeheiser, Republican Sandy, said Monday that the notes are proof there is a lot of emotion out there over same-sex marriage and related issues. But he added that the legislature should stick with its plan to let this issue cool down and not deal with more changes until the court considers Utah's appeal to the federal ruling that struck down its ban on same-sex marriage. Niederheiser continues, This is an emotional time, Niederheiser said. Let's stop and pull our faculties together and address other issues this session and wait for the process in court to take place and welcome back another time to address religious liberties and other types of discrimination. So these are my words now. There are people getting evicted from their house who have children because they're gay, because they don't like having sex with an opposite-sexed person. That is why it's an emotional issue, Mr. Senator. This this issue, like, I'm really mad at, and I'm not even gay. Like, And I'm not even gay. You know, it's when you see these conversations as a Jewish boy or just as an American, you start to wonder, when are the blacks going to become involved? When are the Jews going to get involved? Yeah. When is there going to be a real, you know, in- enclosure on our freedoms and liberties? I don't... Where did... Where did I mean, you're a very religious person. Hmm? But you're not anti-LGBT. Uh-uh. Why are so many people in, I don't know, let's say over 50, mm-hmm. why do they hate them so much? I mean, I know it's not something you can really answer, but... Yeah. I think a lot of people... Well, as... Okay. So what I've come to learn, at least, I mean, within, like... So I know lots and lots of religious people. But... And I know this doesn't go for every one of them and every type. But the people that I see that are, like, extremely anti-LGBT rights, extremely anti-same-sex marriage all of that seem to be you can't judge anyone like who is like better at church like it's not like a <laughs> who's so good at sacrament meeting that's not a thing you don't get well, it points shouldn't be. <laughs> but the people who are like that are also the people who aren't even nice in church or in activities like are kind of very insecure in themselves i think a lot of the people who have a big issue with like same-sex marriage and gay couples adopting or having children or any of those things are really like they they really think it'll threaten what they have back to lee davidson's argument report it is most important for us right now to take some time niederheiser said let's not get too anxious the best kind of policy is the policy that takes some time and has had a lot of deliberation Urquhart said a ban on discrimination against members of the lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender community had been proposed for the legislature for five years, this being the sixth, long before the same-sex marriage ruling and has wide public support. Last year, it received committee approval but was not heard on the Senate floor. A poll conducted by the Salt Lake Tribune found that 60% of Utahns support a bill banning workplace and household discrimination. And so does the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Yeah. They, they came out last year and wrote a really long article in defense of, hey, we might not agree with what these people do, but they should not be discriminated. Mm-hmm. Well, that's how I, yeah. I mean, I think it's completely irrelevant. Like, I, people argue about it a lot. If, if you don't think what someone does is right, then do you really respect them and support them? And I get it. But I think what you think is right or wrong is completely irrelevant in someone else's life because it doesn't matter. So as long, like, 
you can think one thing, but still have human compassion and support people in their lives. So to go back to the tweets, you have a senator, the head of the Senate, and a representative tweeting about transgenderism and wanting to change bathrooms because there's no lines. How do, they, how do you feel about being a taxpayer with that? Not awesome. It's not, it's not cool, right? Yeah. <laughs> Which segues us to another article when we're done with this one. Let me just read their Go tweets ahead. one more time so that we really uh-huh. hit it home. This is from Adinger. The private men's bathroom in the house office building is occupied, strongly considering a gender-identifying change to use the open women's. Here's Niederheiser's. Mm-hmm. First supporting SB 100, now switching your gender identity. Just can't keep up with you. You're a new man, mm, woman. And in Niederheiser's defense, he publicly stated that that was an intern that tweeted it. <laughs> Good form, <An> gentlemen. <laughs> yeah. Took some liberties. <laughs> yep. Please. So I think. I wish I had an intern so that I could be like. I didn't say that. I'll be your intern. My intern said that. I'll be your intern. Okay, sweet. Yes. And then everything I do wrong, if I get a parking <laughs> ticket, I'm like, I'm sorry, my intern parked here? Uh, yeah. I'm always getting blamed. Fun, quick article yep. to see what you think okay. before we go to break and find ourselves a little rubber ducky friend. <laughs> I don't know if you saw this. It was on the front page of KSL. Utah taxpayer money given as bonus for government employees. A KSL 5 investigation revealed that just over $300,000 of taxpayer money was distributed as bonuses to employees at five Utah state agencies in 2013. Um, Under the state of Utah's human resources rule, government agencies are allowed to distribute monetary awards to employees, blah, 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 various reasons, but here's the problem people have. So, the Utah Attorney General's office provided its list of bonuses which showed that 96 financial incentives were given in 2013 that ranged from $50 to $4,000. The office spent a total $74,861 in taxpayer dollars on bonuses. A closer look at who received the bulk of the bonus money revealed that out of the approximately 425 employees, about 50% of those given bonuses were attorneys. The attorneys also received the biggest benefits. Attorneys for the Attorney General's office received 61% of the bonus money, and more often it was the attorneys who received the largest payments of 2,000 plus bonuses, um, up to 4,000. The list didn't indicate any reason why bonuses were awarded. I wish they'd feed the homeless with that money. Yeah, right? What? Or me. <laughs> yeah, or I'll po- keep my money, <laughs> keep my taxes. I work for attorneys. Like, <laughs> can have, like, what? That's so. Let's see. Let's read. I haven't read all of it, but it was so. It was the Attorney General's office uh, for the Utah Department of Commerce? They, this agency, awarded monetary bonuses to 36 of 241 employees. Bonuses range from 150 to 1,000, and across all of these different groups, the Department of Transportation, Workforce Services, all of these, the majority, like the vast majority, of the bonus money was given to the top tier employees of course what (laughs) and you wonder why we're in fiscal crisis and almost ruin in this country doesn't that kill the whole point of bonuses i would think so well one thousand dollar bonus to an attorney who makes like two hundred thousand of money as opposed to like his file clerk (laughs) i don't know who me 
You don't say. <laughs> Who works hard in her high heels. Yeah, I know. Run around like crazy, like it's an intern. Hands, yeah. yeah, typing's hard. <laughs> but seriously, I don't even want the money, but put it somewhere useful. I mean, they throw a fit about the whole, um, like they just barely decided to figure out how to do all the UTA transportation for a relatively cheap option. Did you hear about that? Yes. That whole thing? And, like, they're going to pay $300,000 just to bonuses for, like, attorneys. Instead of, like, get people transit passes for cheaper so that we can make the air, like, a little less toxic. We should get Senator Niederheiser on this one. Yeah. (laughs) Open his big mouth on Twitter. (laughs) If we could just get him to tweet, like, one time, we'd be set. (laughs) I think it's absurd. I read it and was... So we have to go to break. Yeah, I know. When we get back... Rubber Ducky is going to be in. So back in the studio. Come back, join us for a conversation on on all things celebrity in Hollywood, with uh, a lot of focus on Mr. Charlie Sheen and oh yeah, the other guy that just died, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yes, we will be going to promos and then we'll be back uh, real quick. Mm-hmm. See you in a sec. <laughs> Join me, Nigel Marabello, on a musical journey across the world in my show, Going Global, featuring mostly indie pop and rock music by artists from a variety of countries, including our very own US of A. So if you want to listen to some diverse songs, be sure to tune in on Sundays from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. here on KU Radio. I can't. I can't even that song. It's such a great song. Uh, has Dakota heard it? Have you shared it with him? Oh, he loves that song. Gosh. <laughs> Can we hear you, sir? Oh, no. Did he die again? He died again. Wait, how do we fix him? I don't know how to fix him. <laughs> no one does. Dakota, it's my fault. This, this here's Robert Duck. <laughs> Robert Duck reporting. <laughs> Hello, sir. Rubber duck, you make Join this convoy, won't you? Oh, I'm, I'm glad to be part of this convoy. We're going to be <laughs> blocking roads from, from Salt Lake to Silver City. Oh, my. I'm going to make him a rubber ducky shirt with a Sharpie. <laughs> I'm going to draw it. It's going to be like rubber ducky, making it's your bath times duck. more enjoyable since whatever year you were born. <laughs> so we've been having quite the conversation. I don't know if you've been a good radio host and have been listening live at KU.org or uh, streaming live from your smartphone, whether you have a 
iPhone or a Google phone, you can find us at iTunes or Google Play or whatever. Just look for Olute Radio, O-L-U-T-E-R-A-D-I-O. Have you been doing that, sir? No, no. I actually, I saved a life this weekend. Did you? What? Yeah, I went on I went on search on Saturday night and uh, rescued a 60-year-old man who was a dementia patient who had been lost in the woods shirtless in sub-zero conditions. And, what did he say uh, when found you him found about, him? Well, he said he'd been sitting under a tree listening to Chinese music in his head because he's a dementia patient. <laughs> what? He's just been spending like days shirtless in freezing temperatures listening to Chinese music. Yes. Yeah, he, he's not a Chinese man. There's no oh. reason he should be <laughs> I he leaning Chinese. towards Chinese music. No, this was a this was your average <gasps> white Caucasian oh. uh, shirtless in the woods. This is the first time I actually located the subject, so I was the first on scene. Really? I felt pretty good about getting to, getting to do that. Nice. Well, congrats to you. Well, thank you. Do you feel better about yourself, sir? Uh, yes, no, it did It did ra- raise my self-worth by, I think, 16%. 16? Wow. Yeah, I usually, yeah, it was a big one. It was a big like boost. I shoot 5% at a time if I can, but that's great. Well, saving life, saving you know, lives, some you know. significant, significant, you know, up, upswing in the percentage of increase of worth. Oh, I mean, I, I, I'm a file clerk at a, at a law office, so sometimes I help take people's bankruptcy money (laughs) i feel really good about myself well i'm proud of you sir well that's the goal that's the goal (laughs) job well done it was was fun yeah it was it was a team effort it was a team effort we had eight guys in the ground and six in the uh front office and um you know we we covered a lot of terrain and how long did managed to get to this guy before he got hypothermic nice we were in the field for about four hours but there's usually about four hours of planning that goes in in the uh, in the uh, instant command base before we get a chance to get it into the field. Well, why so much time when you got a guy that's lost? Just because you have to learn your coordinates and stuff. Well, yes, and also you want to get good information as far as like what the search criteria is, what the status of the subject is. Like a dementia patient, we're going to take different steps than we are if it was like a lost child or a hiker or somebody on a mountain bike. You know, there's different criteria uh, based on the mental state or proposed mental state of the subject that gets analyzed before they send people out into the field. So we're not just wandering around the woods aimlessly. They kind of have a general area that could be uh, more probable to search. Do you have a helicopter? Um, We personally don't, but sometimes um, the Border Patrol as well as the local Sheriff's Department will lend uh, support with their um, air support vehicles if necessary. What's, is that, do you have to be famous to get that or like you can't be a 60 year old guy with dementia to speed up the process or? Um, no, no. Actually, uh, the previous search I was on was a lost hunter, and he had been out for three and a half days, which was why um, we brought in helicopters a lot quicker. So some of it depends on how long the subject's been lost, or if the subject has a history of getting lost, like this particular subject has been rescued by our group before, because you know he's a dementia patient, he suffers um, 
with his wife, and they live in a pretty remote area. So when he does have seizures or when he does have episodes, um, he has a tendency to just wander off and get lost. Does he get in trouble for that? Uh, no, no. New Mexico's um, Search and Rescue is a volunteer organization, so there's no bill. Um, there's no legal ramifications. Um, it's really a service designed to support and aid in people in need rather than punish them for their mistakes. Is it not like that everywhere? Is it is it uh, only in some states a volunteer thing? or Because I know, at least in St. George, they the search and rescue is from Utah, but then they also had, they like shared a helicopter with Nevada or something, and they were using it, which is why it took so long to get it up there to get my brother or to find locate where his body was. But they were completely volunteer-based, too. I just didn't know if, is it always like that or not? Yeah, uh, as far as I know, and I'm pretty sure of this, that all search and rescue in the United States is a volunteer organization. Wow. There are some specialty operations with, like, um, high-angle rescue or underwater rescue yeah. or advanced tracking that they may get called out to other areas, mm -hmm. in which case the, they would get some compensation for their travel and things like that, but that's only if you travel out of state or are requested by another agency. Yeah. Well, I'm happy that you're helping find people in the desert, because I remember a conversation once where you were going to leave me in the desert. <laughs> uh, that, that offer still stands, my friend. <laughs> Oh, we should make that a segment where we leave together and we see where you like how far you get before calling. Worst dummy. <laughs> it's like geocaching, but you hide somewhere and then we find your coordinates. Sounds awesome. No, I was gonna bury him up to his neck. Yeah, he, oh. he was really mad at me that day. <laughs> I'll leave you in the desert. I don't care. You'll find your way back. Oh, that's good. <laughs> I hope you threaten to bury hoping... me in the desert someday. I hope we get. I hope we all become close enough friends for that. Yeah, yeah. No, ask Sasha. It's really something to look forward to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, there's nothing like getting death threats from your best friend. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's how you know they love you. <laughs> how about your stupid sea chickens? Sea chicken? Oh, yes. The Seahawks. Yes. Oh, I thought you were talking about real. He was growing. I don't know. I bet he does grow sea chickens. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. I've got the desert variety right now. <sighs> no, he's a big Seahawks fan, and he's a homer and a honk. Like, he's also a New Orleans Saints fan. So whoever's doing better, he becomes the fan of that team and completely <laughs> ignores that the other team is around. I wish I had one of those with baseball. Yeah. I think you're putting words in my mouth here. Oh, sir. no, just just remembering conversations. <laughs> well, I mean, the honest reason why I'm a Saints fan is because when I was in junior high school, I went to the cheap clothing store because we were very poor and mm -hmm. couldn't afford the very nice starter jackets. Everybody wanted a starter jacket that, when I was in junior high school. Starter and I found, I found a New Orleans Saints jacket. And decided and at that it? moment that I would have to become a fan if I was going to wear their jackets. Nice. <laughs> and he's also a fan of teams that suck because that's like the trendy thing to do. Like I don't know if hipsters like teams that stink. Like hipsters just they're like front runners. 
Hipsters just like always like teams that don't exist anymore and wear their merchandise like really around. Like the place. expos and uh-huh. stuff. Yeah. See Dakota, like the, like the Supersonics. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For real though, my friend has Supersonics. Yeah. So I, it's just he's had two teams win the Super Bowl in like the last five years. It's thoroughly mm. disgusting. Yeah, but I've been a fan of those teams for the last 20-plus years. Yeah, my stepdad's a Seahawks fan. He lived in Bainbridge Island for a long time. Like they've, He's like almost 70 now. They've never won. And he, my mom was telling me that he was jumping up and down, like screaming and full of excitement. <laughs> like She was like, it was so cute watching this guy. <laughs> you yeah. football fans disgust me. Well, what are you a fan of, Sasha? I'm a wrestling fan, sir. Wrestling. You would be. <laughs> I am not even surprised. So, so you like sweaty men piling on top of each other without uh, uniforms? I like pile drivers. I like elbows off of steel cages. What about that like belly flop thing where they're standing in the corner and then they launch forward and slam them? I'm not opposed to that as long as the guy's over 400 pounds. Yes. <laughs> or the one where they like run at him and put their arm out and they're the, the clothesline. Yeah. <laughs> Those are good. No, big fan. I I'm a fan of midget wrestling too. We have a midget oh. wrestling promotion in Salt Lake City. I've never even seen midgets wrestle. Midget wrestling is fantastic. I encourage anyone who wants a good date to go watch midget wrestling. It's just it's just like normal sized people wrestling, except cuter. Yeah, and except cuter. <laughs> the best is when the luchador midgets do they come. Have, like the girl wrestler, the ones that like do I didn't they have midget ring girls. You know, I didn't. I don't remember. See, I was sitting How pretty would far you back. Not remember. Well. I'd remember the ring yeah. girl. <laughs> he doesn't pay attention to the ring girl. He just likes the sweaty. He really likes the sweaty midget wrestling. Sasha, oh, you learn something new every day. Spend forty-five minutes talking about OGT civil rights in this class. I know. <laughs> I spent three hours with him a week and had no idea about the midget wrestling. <laughs> you really get to know someone. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> you. <laughs> Yeah, wrestling's not a good topic to discuss in Utah. Most people don't like wrestling in Utah. Like when WWE comes to town, they never sell out, and they come like twice a year. Really? Yeah, maybe maybe 2,500 people. Because people, I mean, huh. I guess, I mean, all the like MMA fights I've been to, like MMA, mm-hmm. those don't even sell out a lot of the time. See, MMA is real big in Utah, too. Well, that's the thing. It's like a lot of people like it, but I've been to a couple like at UVU, mm-hmm. um, and up here in salt lake too and i've never i mean it's kind of busy but it's never been like a packed crowd i think people are just kind of poor right now because like yeah. the huntsman center's never full the jazz even yeah. before they started getting really bad hadn't been full the ballets aren't full yeah i was reading about a lot of the arts like the symphonies and things i mean miley cyrus sells out and thank god but you know even a lot of the big names that come though to the energy solutions mm-hmm. arena like that should be selling out like in seconds, you can get tickets a couple of days later. People aren't really going out to like events like that. Yeah, they are spendy though. Yes, they are. I have to a lot like a concert budget every year where I'm like, this much of my paycheck goes to concert tickets. But I am gonna work the on May eighth. The WWE Universe is coming to Utah, and I am 
going to try to muster up all my journalism skills and get a WWE superstar in studio. So be prepared for this, people. And I will have a mark out moment like you've never seen. I will become that fan boy. You'll be like, hi. <laughs> Can I have a picture with you? You won't even do an interview. You'll just take pictures and get like your boob signed. I guess you're not a girl. You don't do that. But do boys do butt signed? Uh, we get other things signed. Like what? What do you think? What? No, they don't. You're <laughs> Girls do stuff like that. But boys, what do they do when they fangirl? We fight them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could take you on. <laughs> or, or, or we get him to sign our girlfriend's boot. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. Got it. Noted. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so prepare for that. Prepare for a WWE wrestler to come in studio because I'm going to try real hard. <laughs> I've already pulled the contact information to get a hold of their media. And uh, we'll see what happens. Fancy pantsy. Yeah. Don't be surprised if Hulk Hogan comes here. <laughs> or Goldberg. Goldberg. <laughs> See if we could get some more, uh, some more listeners. I'd, I'd, I'd interview Rowdy Roddy Piper just because he doesn't wear anything under his kilt. <laughs> Andy Russell. He hit, a, he hit a Hawaiian Tongan over the head with a coconut on national television before this world got politically censored. <laughs> yeah. Before that racism would now be came considered racism. Yeah. Yeah. You can hit him with a metal chair, but not a coconut. Yeah. yeah my, so you guys get all this fun watching Super Bowls, and WWE lost their biggest superstar, which is quite quit the company, walked out. Ew. CM Punk. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. She's I rolling her eyes at outraged me. Outraged at that. <laughs> Never watching again. Uh, okay. Well, we have to go to break. When Aww. we get back... You guys have to go to break, which means I leave. In a minute. I know, in a sec. And when we get back, we are going to get into this Phil, Philip Seymour Hoffman issue. Uh, some Charlie Sheenisms. Insanities. Should we play one more Charlie Sheen thing real quick? Oh, just to get a little taste? Just to get a little taste. Um, hold on a second. Yeah, let, let's do that. Let's do that. You want you want to hear about when he's blowing seven ounce rocks or what? I like that one. It's a good one. Use uh, I, said, I use I use a blender. I use a vacuum cleaner. I use uh, you know, I you know household items. Uh, when was the last time I ingested or took drugs? Yes. When you was the last time you took drugs? Such an AA stupid um, expression or term. I don't remember. I do not remember. A week ago, two weeks Maybe ago, a month two days ago, ago, six weeks. I don't know. I don't know. It was a couple of days before the suits rolled in and said. Change it. Change everything. We're shutting you down. Tell me about the last time you took drugs. You know, the last time I took drugs, um, I probably took more than, than, than anybody could survive. You know. What are um, we talking about? How much? I don't know, man. I was banging seven gram rocks and finishing them because that's how I roll. I have one speed. I have one gear. Go. How so, do you survive that? Because I'm, cause I'm me. Because I'm me. I'm different. I just have a different constitution. I have a different brain. I have a different heart. I have a different, you know, I get tiger blood, man. You don't worry that you're going to die when you take that many drugs? Dying's for fools. But you're Dying's only human. Energy. Now, there's certain blends I will not, I will not entertain because that's how people go down. I'm, I'm, I'm too, smart, too smart to do that. So, you know, I'm sorry for the guys that that happened to, but, you know, you should have uh, read the directions before you showed up at the party, you know? Um. <laughs> Banging <clears throat> seven gram rocks. Death is for fools, man. <laughs> Dying's for idiots. <laughs> what do you think, Dakota? 
Well, I mean, it's a <laughs> that was one of the most epic explosions of anyone <laughs> caught on camera. I I I I really revere the man for uh taking the filter all the way out. It's like it doesn't even exist. He doesn't even know what filter means. <laughs> I mean, that's what happens when you got tiger's blood, you know? <laughs> that's what happens when dying for fools and you're a superhuman. <laughs> but you guys, come on, he's practical. There are some blends he won't entertain. Yeah. Because that'll kill a man, you know? You got to read the directions for you to show up to the party. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, let's do this one real quick, too. This will also help set the scene. The sheen. <laughs> your anger and your hate, I think, is coming off as erratic to people. Passion. My passion. It's all okay, passion. Okay, your passion yes. is coming off as erratic right. to people. Right, well, you borrow my brain for five seconds and just be like, dude, can't handle it. Unplug this bastard. Yeah, because it just, it fires in a way that is, um, I don't know, maybe not from this particular uh, terrestrial uh, realm. I think some of those things that you're putting out there are making people think something's wrong with you. That's... That's up. To, that has nothing to do with me, really. I mean, they, they're they're entitled to, I suppose, interpret stuff um, as they must. Some are doctor of. What some are, are saying that of? you're bipolar. Wow. What does that mean? I guess that you know you're on two ends of the spectrum. Wow. And then what? What's the cure? Medicine? Make me like them? Not gonna happen. I'm by winning. <laughs> I'm by winning. <laughs> by winning. <laughs> That's awesome. In my psych internship yep. this week, when I sit in on a session and they're talking about bipolar, I'm going to be like, listen, you don't have a problem. You're bi-winning. <laughs> but I'm going to say it really creepily and like give them some like eyebrow raises or something weird. It does bring up, it does bring up for me an interesting conundrum that I was looking at with, uh, you know, looking into Philip Seymour Hoffman and things. Um, the medical definitions of the difference between addiction and habit. And it's very convoluted in there because all it says is about a habit is it's done by choice and one can choose to stop and will stop if they want to. Yeah. But an addiction means there's the psychological or physical component that makes one unable to view the aspects of their habit. So there doesn't seem to be any clear lines drawn in psychology right yeah. now between the differences between habitual activity and addictive behaviors and I think that that's um, that's kind of one of the cores for me of how at least in this country we're really viewing addiction addiction has become a really hot button with you know drug addiction or internet addiction or exercise addiction or gambling addiction and um, you know where does that line cross when you have habitual behavior versus um, clinically uh, addictive behavior you know the only real differentiation that I've been able to glean so far is addiction is the impairment of the understanding of short-term gains versus long-term costs which if you take that model and expand it into other realms of our culture we have a legitimate addiction to foreign oil we have a legitimate addiction to mass media in this country as a whole. So it's a, I think uh, the debate about addiction, if carried forward, is going to breed some very interesting discussions about 
human behaviorisms and what's acceptable. Yeah. They just don't like people speeding up their rate of dying. Like that's one of the real problems in this country is they don't want young men dying at an early age. And that's why they're so strict with young men and in other countries with men breeding, right? Mm -hmm. Like in China, they, they want males only because males can physically in a lot of ways work harder than a woman and they don't have to worry about, um, birth birthing issues or anything like that. And so when you get young men full on alcohol and drugs, their productivity declines. And in a long-term sense, America's productivity declines when there's higher rates of drug abuse and alcoholism. And I think the individual also comes out in free thought and free thinking and a different type of self-preservation. Like, it's really weird listening to Charlie Sheen talking about how he can't die and he's from a different world and, you know, he's he's a F-18. And mm. it's, it's a real great example of megalomania. Like, mm-hmm. and that's what the country doesn't like is people like that. Well, there's there's been some interesting um, articles surfacing around what's happened with Philip Seymour Hoffman as well as what's happening with the heroin trade in New York that they've discovered uh, because of the high cost of productive, not production necessarily, but transport, pure, pure opium, which is to be turned into heroin, uh, a lot of producers in other countries are using a new drug called um, fentolin and it is a synthetic morphine that is a hundred times stronger than the opioid so it's produced by pharmaceutical companies it gets in the hands of drug traffickers and they then utilize this pharmaceutical chemical to increase the potency and artificially inflate the um, street cost of their product through drugs that are being manufactured right here in this country and 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 by many major pharmaceutical companies so it, it's very interesting to look at that as compared to the model in in countries which have done uh, legalization or attempts at legalization of opiates to control the quality because the majority of overdose deaths that happen are based on the lack of information that the user has about the potency of the drug that they're about to use. Hmm. So this, you know, I think weighs in very heavily for some of the arguments to say that full legalization of drugs and regulation of the quality of them will produce much less long-term negative effects on culture and society than allowing this to continue to be manipulated and in the complete control of criminal and organized crime elements um, throughout throughout the world. I think that in America that's going to be a tough thing to happen. I, I can't imagine churchgoers and successful business people wanting heroin addicts uh, to be able to do it at a park or just be on it. Like the, I get marijuana legalization. I get alcohol legalization. But when you start getting out in I'm not even sure I would support hallucinogens, and I'm not a big fan. I mean, a lot of people enjoy them, but I think at some point, you know, meth. I think is I think meth should be targeted as one of as an illegal drug. Yeah. I think 
we should spend a lot of resources going after meth heads. I think cocaine's a violent, violent drug, you know, or at least a lot of people get turned into a violent animal. Cocaine has destroyed many communities in this country and the world. And I, I don't, and I, I can see the argument of decriminalization because it gets the gang activity out of it, right? Yeah. It gets uh, the, a lot of the people from south of the border who create and manufacture and produce it. And, but still, with what cocaine and you know heroin does to a human being when they're addicted is a, you know, almost a terminal sentence, and it's a quick one. Do they well, how would you how would you compare um, heroin usage with, say, methadone? Because there are people in this country who have been on methadone for from legal time. clinics supported by our government uh, for tens, tens and twenty years who can't get off of it. So you know, there's there's another side I think to this coin that isn't, an isn't a comfortable one to look at, but certainly has realistic implications in the long-term effect. We've legalized the use of methadone for heroin addicts, but we haven't been able to show a track record of the use of methadone to get them off of heroin. It's, you, it oftentimes becomes a subsidies program for hardcore users to continue their addiction until they reach a point of financial stability when they can afford the drug again. So I know Becca has to go out. She has to leave Sorry, here in a second. Guys. What if you're also a PhD student at a Pac-12 University? A PhD student? Sorry, a psychology. I wish I was a PhD student. I just Soon got excited. To be. Soon to be. Someday. But you're, you're majoring in psychology. You're a senior. You're getting ready to take your MCATs and go into the higher worlds of psychology. What are they teaching you at an undergraduate level about drug addiction and the topics we're just starting to touch on? Um, well, especially at my internship, too, I do. I sit in with the group therapies, and in a few of them, I'm in different substance abuse um, classes. But at least, I mean, we don't as much talk about specifically drug abuse, but we talk a lot about pharmaceuticals and a lot about, like, different medications. And it seems to me, I guess what I think is interesting is the more we talk about, like, different legalizations of things, it sounds crazy to me to imagine that people enough old-timey, very, like, very conservative people are ever going to let something like that happen. But even in, like, even in university and classes, there's a lot more... There are a lot more professors and students and PhD students and lots of different psychology track people who are against a lot of the psychology, like psychiatric drugs. Mm -hmm. And I didn't actually anticipate that because I've, I mean, I've not always thought treating a lot of this stuff with more addictive medicine was like the best idea. Uh, depend, I mean, some people need it to balance out. It's just really interesting to me, I guess, talking about this because I see more of like with education and people who are becoming the next generation of, I don't know, lawmakers and doctors and all that, kind of more forward thinking. I don't think it's that crazy. The more people are on board with like legalization of marijuana or different drugs that are illegal right now, I can't imagine how they're going to keep those things illegal with as many 
with as many people as support it. Like, I just can't, I don't think in my lifetime that I won't see those things legalized. I definitely think they're going to see the benefit in regulating it or controlling it or being able to tax it or anything, but I think it's going to find a way. I don't think it's all good. Have either of you known anyone that's become strung out on cocaine or heroin or meth? I had my oldest brother that passed away was, took his life, but was very, just the last couple years of his life was extremely addicted. Two? When he passed away, he was using salvia, but I, I'm not sure the specifics because I was only about 14. But one of my brothers um, is now clean, has been for over a year, but he was addicted to heroin for a long time. And I lived with him the six months before he ended up having to get clean. And it's bad. It's one of the hardest things I think to ever see. It's creepy. And it, it, I mean, for me, it's hard for me to even listen to the reasons why it should be, like why they would legalize it, because I cannot for any reason. I mean, even methadone, he refused to take it. He was like, if I'm going to have to get clean, I'm not going to transfer to like a new heroin. I just can't imagine heroin being something that like a 21-year-old kid could just get. Well, see, it's cheaper than Oxycontin, right? And in some ways, it's a better high. So all these, and especially in the white world, let's talk specifically, we're talking in a white Mm -hmm. demographic. These kids get started taking either after sport injury or surgery in someone's house, and it becomes so expensive for them to buy these pills that they quickly turn to heroin because they get their dealer saying, hey, just get a balloon because it's cheaper. It's a better high. I think it's awful. Yeah. It, it's just awful. Thoughts, good sir. And thank you so much. Yeah, I hate to dampen the mood, guys, but I will be back next week. I won't interrupt this conversation, but thanks for listening to my part of it, and I'll see you guys next well, week. Well, we love you, and we thank you. What do you think about uh, heroin, sir? I mean, it's a multi-billion dollar industry, however you want to cut it. Um, you know, regardless of its safety, of its, you know, dangerousness, of its addictive qualities or anything else, it's been a drug that's been present in the world for thousands of years, um, has been used in many different applications, and one of those is recreationally. And whether or not the United States takes a stance to legalize it, decriminalize it, lesser the sentences, anything else, users will continue to use. So, you know, part of it is a strict financial argument of control of the flow of money, which right now the heroin trade is mainly controlled by um, by terrorist quote-unquote organizations in, in the Middle East and in those areas. You know, there's also been many studies about the United States' involvement in that. I mean, back in uh, the Iran-Contra scandal, highlighted the CIA being directly involved in the heroin trade in order to funnel money to the Mujahideen to help fight their their war in Afghanistan. So the, the, the transport of drugs and the transport of money is part of our international reality. Our military-industrial complex. Well, even even outside of that military-industrial complex, this has been controlled by small militant groups in, in Afghanistan and, and in those areas for for the last you know 
four or five decades, the United, United Nations Office of Drugs and Crimes last year estimated that over 12 million pounds of opium was produced in Afghanistan in 2012. More than twelve million pounds, and that was it. Which it, is, it was that's up eighteen percent from the, the previous year. So production has gone up almost twenty percent in one year, um, and this is recently. So you know we're we're not looking at a downsizing of the demand for this drug. What we're seeing is the backlash of the non-regulation of it. You know, I mean this this tentalin, you know, synthetic morphine stuff. This is what they're saying was in the uh, heroin that Philip Seymour Hoffman overdosed on, as well as 12 other New Yorkers o overdosed that same weekend. And um, there's reports from the New York Police Department saying that this particular brand of heroin, which they're calling Tango and Cash, was sold on Friday night in the Bronx. And by Monday, by Sunday night, there was 12 people dead from poisoning from this particular substance. So the, the addiction is one thing, and then you also have this rampantly unregulated industry of, of drug which people are putting directly into their bodies, directly into their veins, intravenously. So the chemical makeup of these drugs is incredibly important to how it affects that user. And that user doesn't have the opportunity to test it or to find out what it is. So, you know, I'm certainly not advocating for, you know, uh, 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 rampant acceptance for the use of, of heroin or other dangerous drugs. But what I'm positing is a question as to is uh, keeping it in the dark helping anything? Or are we ignoring an underlying problem that's not addiction, that's actually drug trade and international business policy? Well, I mean, even if you read the Torah, Noah was a drunk, right? There were several examples of drunkenly men uh, that the that you know Yahweh used in his in in the story of how man came, whether it's true or not. But what I'm getting at is, people love to get effed up. They love to be high. They love to not be in their reality or use drugs to enhance their reality. And that I don't think is ever going to change. As long as we are mammalian, we are going to search out a new root, a new plant, a new spray paint can. We're going to do it. And there has to be an understanding by our court systems that that's we're not they're not evil people. They just like to get buzzed. Well, and this is kind of what you know something that I wanted to bring up is just the the fascination with drug culture when it comes to media. I mean, we have a number of well, most of them um, are drunks. <laughs> well, yeah, but we have a number of actors who overdose. You know, every year there's two or three actors who overdose on heavy drugs. I mean, well, I mean, I, I was reading this Philip Seymour Hoffman article from NBC News. They are claiming that he was found with the needle in his arm with 49 full bags of heroin and 23 empty bags. I mean, we're not talking casual addiction here, you know. Th 23 empty bags of heroin would probably be enough to even kill Charlie Sheen. You know, we're, we're talking excessive amounts. So, well, one you know, would say me, that he's buying long-term amounts, right, so he doesn't have to shop daily. 
No, they're, they found 23 empty bags in his room. Yeah, but that doesn't that, mean they're not a couple of weeks old, right? Well, from the reports, this is his office in um, New York, so it's not somewhere where he spends the night. But yeah, I mean, sh certainly there, there's there's many much speculation speculation, excuse me, about you know what actually happened. But you know the, the reality is like uh, there's a certain there's a certain excess that's tied with success in the entertainment industry. And you know, if one thing rings true in the entertainment industry, your level of success is measured by your level of excess. The bigger the house, the bigger the car, the bigger the plane, the bigger the parties, the you know more girls, the the more drugs, the more staying up all night. I mean, it's something that we sub subvert into the lifestyle of these individuals who we idolize on the screen, and then off screen tend to have to build these big personalities around and you know I think that pressure of success oftentimes is what drives a lot of you know I mean Phil Seymour Hoffman was in rehab when he was 22 years old the man had been clean for the last 20 years and so it had three kids you know had 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 his eldest daughter was I believe five or six um, you know so three children um, under the age of eight and at 46 years old I mean this is this is not someone who's been a habitual user for 20 years. You know, I think we need to look at you know some of the triggers that media, that popularity, that exposure, and that uh, fame uh, place on an individual. And I think that that's a that's a huge, huge element to it. I mean, uh, uh, Chris Farley. You know, here's here's a you know one of the happiest men in comedy who also died of a drug overdose tragically. There's a there's a tie I believe that's being uh, not looked at well enough between opulence and success and how that affects one's ability to look at themselves in a positive or meaningful light. Let's see. I think poverty. I I, I don't think it's just being successful and being in, in entertainment or entrainment uh, programs. Drug abuse, people dying from drugs and alcohol happen an exorbitant amount of numbers in every city, in every hood, in every neighborhood, in this world every day. This human beings have a drug problem, and part of that problem is, you know, that uh, they can't handle living on Earth. I don't think it's an exclusive media thing. I think it gets popularized because we see them on television, and we deem them as smart because... They pretend very well. I think pretending is probably a very difficult thing to do in a sober world. You know, I'm not an actor. I, I don't know. I've never had to broadcast anything that's not me. You know, the nice thing about journalism is there's two avenues. You can either be yourself and use your own voice, or you make up a caricature, and I, I can't make up a caricature. But I, I think that it's not just a media issue. No, I, I agree with you, and I certainly, you know, don't want to point this uh, or frame this debate around popular media or popular culture. I think that it's an interesting mirror for the rest of the world because I think the same situations are true in inner cities, in poorer communities. It's it's a lack of sense of self in the community, a lack of ownership to your community that oftentimes drives people too far inside of themselves. 
and without good tools to be able to experience your life in a, in a holistic way, um, you know, you you find yourself augmenting that, you know, and oftentimes it's escapism. I mean, most most addicts that I've come to know, most of what drives their their behavior is escapism. It's escape from the self. You know, it's it's literally getting outside of the body, getting outside of the brain, getting outside of the constant thinking, the constant analysis, which are real. You know human qualities that people should celebrate in their life but can become overwhelming and you know there are many people who don't become drug addicts or alcohol addicts who are addicted to you know their their prescription medications or addicted to eating or addicted to gambling I mean I think that the underlying issue for me is the concept of addiction and how we view that as a society and how we choose to frame that debate and it's unfortunate that it feels to me as though it's being framed around drugs or substance abuse when it's a behavior it's a behavior it's it's a psychology more than it is a syndrome or a sickness I mean I've known people that would drink 8 to 12 beers a night and smoke a spliff but they'd be at work at 7 in the morning every day five seven days a week they they never drove drunk they never beat a woman they never got in fights you know I, I think that that term functional addict is a very real thing in this world and I'm not sure I have a problem with it like I I get that there's rehabs I get that people need to go to rehab when things get out of hand but I know that there's a lot of people that are sober that lives get completely out of hand you know, even if they have money in a house and a wife and kids or a husband or whatever, their life still can be a complete mess. You know, it, it just I, I don't understand the sensationalism of addiction in this culture. You know, these 12 step programs, you know, I don't want to say they drive me crazy, but they confuse me. Yeah, I came across something interesting when I was looking into addiction versus habits and that one of the, the big things of addiction is that you're not in control of your choices but in a habit you are in control of your choices and I guess the question is how is one, how, how am I or how is any one person supposed to know if you're in control of your choices or not because it's very difficult when you ask a person if they're in control of their lives, they're probably going to say yes. We have, we have an active part of our mind which recognizes the choices that we have, makes a choice, and then realizes that that's the choice that we decided to go with. So if the only way to separate addiction from habit is if you don't know that you're not in control of your choices, well, who's going to be the person to tell you? How would you ever be able to, as an individual, come to any real conclusion of if you are in control of your own choices or not? I mean, these, these things get down to the deepest philosophical and psychological questions that man has been asking themselves for 2,000, 3,000 years. I mean, these are not easy questions to answer, and yet the term addict has been used to just band-aid over a huge part of human psychology 
which I believe is very underexplored. And, you know, Becca was talking about it earlier, questions about the use of, of pharmaceutical drugs to treat people with um, mental disorders. Well, when we get back from break, we are, at, we are at on the button, and I apologize uh, to you because you can't see the clock, but I have to <laughs> pop to a break real quick. When we get back, we will explore uh, that avenue. Thank you very much, people. We appreciate you. Well, I mean, I was just trying to, to, to look at the, the connections between how we view psychology as a science and how we view psychology as the individual person. And I think that concept of addiction, the concept of the usage of foreign substances to alter our brain chemistry is something that's been utilized, whether it be recreationally or whether it be medically, for a number of years. And there is recently become a lot more information available about the effects of um, psychoactive chemicals on the brain and their actual effect to our neurology and I think addiction has been understudied and I think that a lot of the pharmaceuticals that we've been using for a number of years Ritalin as an example in in recent studies have found have been much less effective than we originally thought no lithium I, I, tegretol imipramine um, all these psychoactive drugs, uh, they do the exact same thing as what other drugs do, is they raise and lower your serotonin and dopamine levels. It's just they call them controlled, and it's their science. Yes, yeah, and I think that's, that's a big thing, is that um, there's not a lot of neurochemicals that we're actually working with. We're using different anal analogous substances to affect them, but the effects are very similar. And, um, you know, a lot of people talk about self-medication and, you know, for, for much of our human history, self-medication was kind of the only option. People developed ways to, to, to work with that. I mean, even the use of the coca plant in, in Colombia by natives, um, it's been a part of their culture, been a part of their rituals, and hasn't been something which causes the same kind of addictive properties and problems that, um, you know, that, that cocaine does once it's been um, refined. So, you know, there, there's, I think there's a broader way to look at the science of the mind and its relationship to substance usage rather than put terms like addiction and put people in a closet about um, their own neurology and psychology. So in five years and then 10 years, and I know it's projection, so none of us can really understand it. Where do you think America's drug laws are? Do you think marijuana is still legal? Do you think that they're still allowing alcohol commercials on television? Well, I think for, for me, the biggest step and what I would like to see more than anything else is a much more transparent regulation over the pharmaceutical companies because I think that more harm and I, I don't have the statistics in front of me, but I am very certain that there are more deaths per year from pharmaceutical drugs than there are from illegal drugs. And I, I wish I had the actual numbers. I've read studies in the past and the dangers of pharmaceutical chemicals are far greater than the dangers of recreational drugs and mainly because they're under-tested, they, um, they do not have enough clinical trials. They are being augmented on a daily basis to 
change very subtle parts of them to make them cheaper or easy to manufacture without good research on the direct neurological effect of these specific chemicals. And that is an area that uh, I think our drug use as a country is being underexplored and needs much better oversight, scientific research, and, and regulation. Well, it's the rush to sell a product, isn't it? Like, why have Levitra um, being in a, in a laboratory for 30, 40 years? Put it out in six. You know? And then the, the, the claim is, oh, we didn't know it would kill human beings. Well, you know. And then there's no, there's no criminal responsibility or liability in the court systems for these people. You know? No. No, there's not. There's not. And, and, and we've seen it in the news over the last number of years. It doesn't make very big news because these are big companies with big money and they, they often pay a lot of money to keep their news out of the news. And um, there certainly needs to be much more done to address the, the sheer volume of new drugs that are coming to market every year with um, and and not and no infrastructure in order to keep up with the research or the demand to to study these in 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 a way that i feel satisfied with i mean i'm sure there's arguments to the contrary but i have not uh, been satisfied with the amount of information available for things like crestor that i see on television i don't even know what crestor does other than it's supposed to be good for your heart ask your doctor about it well why do i ask my doctor well because i gave him a bunch of samples and he's going to give them to you so you know, there's a there's a there's a disconnect between medicine, health, and pharmaceutical companies. Well, many and doctors disconnect is cash money. Many doctors, especially psychiatrists and family practitioners, actually get a percentage of sales for uh, from drug companies. So if you're selling Tamiflu, yeah, that, that, that's criminal. Sort of, you know, it, it's under one of those. Well, you're you're helping out the community. If we have an outbreak of flu, what's worse? Uh, people getting nauseous from Tamiflu or having more, you know, because we already have 23,000 people a year in America die from the flu. You know, we're lucky it's not higher. And so those are some of the issues. It's like polio and AIDS and these brutal diseases. Could, Could we have waited an extra 20 years for polio to go through product testing, I guess? No, we couldn't because it was destroying humanity. Yes, but there's there's continued testing which which should happen and 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 even like vaccines, polio vaccines, for example, have been um, augmented and perfected over the years. You know, the polio vaccine we're giving right now is not the same polio vaccine we were giving in the '40s. It does the same thing, but it's but it's um, gone through you know a number of of different stages in its development. I. I I fear that the same is not true for many of the other, um, you know, over the or not over the counter, but prescription medications, such as the things pe- that people are being given for depression or anxiety. You know, we're not talking about life-threatening illnesses here. We're talking about, well, I don't feel really good about myself, and if I take this drug, I feel like I feel better. But you don't know if you feel better because the drug's affecting you in a way that you don't have any control over then again it goes back to addiction if you don't know that you're in control of your choices 
how do you know if you're in control of your choices? I chose to take that drug, so I'm in control of my choices, but I don't have a control over how that drug affects me. That my doctor has a control over. So I have given up my control over myself, and therefore it's not a habit anymore. You are, you're addicted from the minute you put that pill in your mouth because you no longer have a choice of your control over that usage. You've been told by your doctor, and they even say in the news, ask your doctor before you stop using this drug. You can't even stop using it if you choose to. You have to get permission from your doctor to stop using it. That to me seems like a, a pretty good indicator that, that something's gone awry. So next week in the last hour of OU Radio here on KU Internet Radio, Let's talk about symbology and symbolism and the effective media through that because one thing I found very interesting with the Super Bowl was how often I was encouraged to buy beer and alcohol and then the last 10 minutes of their show they said, oh, drink responsibly. And then you get all these DUI commercials. And it's like, well, what message are you sending me? You know, where, where does it become the human is not responsible for being addicted when does it become the world of entertainment and social media that's actually creating this uh, rampant uh, a rate of addiction in this country? No, I think that would be very interesting. I look forward to that. Um, before we ring off here, I just want to take a moment, since we did use Philip Seymour Hoffman to, like I said in last week, spend a little time celebrating people's lives rather than mourning their deaths. So for those of you who don't know, there are a few very famous movies that I've loved that Philip Seymour Hoffman was in. I'm going to read this quick list off. Scent of a Woman, Masterpiece, 1992. The Big Lebowski, Masterpiece as well. What was he in in Lebowski? What was, I don't remember him in that. He was, he was Brant. He was the, uh, the butler for the, <laughs> yeah. for the rich guy. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, he was in Patch Adams. Uh, he was in Almost Famous. Punch Drunk Love in 2002. Uh, Capote, probably his most famous work in 05 that he got an uh, Oscar for Best Actor in. Um, he was in Moneyball, The Ides of March. Um, he's been in all three of the Hunger Games uh, and has been nominated for three Tony Awards uh, being a Broadway actor. So here is a man who dedicated his life to acting, who put his heart and soul into it um, for over 20 years was lost tragically to addiction and, you know, leaves behind a family and three children. Let's take a minute to look at his legacy. I'd like all the listeners out there to maybe go out and watch one of his old movies and just and just see the man for who he was living rather than have this debate frame him as what he is now that he's dead. So let's let's celebrate life, all you listeners out there. Celebrate life. Yes, I agree. Well, I appreciate you, sir, for jumping on the interwaves of KU Internet Radio. With that, I say thank you very much. I bid you adieu. And um, stay on the line, and I'll talk to you shortly. All right. Good night, all there in Radio Land. Deal with it. Oh, wait. Can't process it. Losers winning. Bye-bye. This is Rubber Duck signing off.